0: Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast, episode 97.
1: Welcome to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft Podcast with your host, Jack Mountain Bushcraft School founder and master main guide, Tim Smith.
0: I'm your host, Tim Smith. I'm a registered master Maine guide and have been a full-time outdoor instructor and guide since founding the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School in 1999. We help people become more skilled, more knowledgeable, more experienced, and more confident in the natural world through our bushcraft and guide training semester programs and multi-week canoe and snowshoe expeditions. You can check out the show notes to all of our podcasts at blog.jackmtn.com. If you're interested in learning more about our college accredited and GI Bill approved programs, visit the Jack Mountain Bushcraft School on the web at jackmtn.com. And check out our online network and digital learning academy at bushcraftschool.com. Hello and welcome back to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft podcast episode 97. We are in the guide shack and there are seven of us and a dog. It's another chilly Aroostook County morning. We've got the stove lit. We're looking at, the, looking at the flames in there. And because we're very low tech in how we record these podcasts, we have a handheld audio recorder. We are crammed in here like a bunch of sardines stuck in a tin, uh, sitting real close together so that uh, the audio won't be terrible. So how are we doing this morning, guys?
2: Good.
0: Pretty good. good. Getting warmer. Getting warmer, yeah. Getting warmer. Yeah. Um, so it's the end of week eight. We're actually recording this on Thursday, October 15th, um, another frosty night in Aroostook County. Um, and we're near the end of week eight. We're kind of wrapping up the fall 2020 some Wilderness Bushcraft semester. We've only got a couple of things left to do and a week left on the course. But we just wanted to check in with some of the folks who've been on this course and, you know, get... Uh, so that you people out there in podcast land can hear it direct from the horse's mouth. What do you mean, you people? Huh? <laughs> I mean, the people out there, and I was
3: referring to them as you. Ah, got it. Not like you. You in a general term. Yeah, not Those like a my... baby sheep. Yeah. E-W- no, that's a female sheep. <laughs> E-W-E. A baby sheep is a lamb.
0: Huh? <laughs> and we're back to it.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, yeah, so you... Uh, th- those people out there in podcast land listening often hear about the goings on around here through our filter, through Christopher and Tim's filter. But every now and then we like to get the people who are actually out here doing it, living it on a daily basis so that you can sort of hear direct from the direct from the, the horse's mouth. I don't know. I'm coming, all I'm coming up with is colloquialisms. Direct from them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> more coffee needed um yeah so it'll sort of be a bit of a question and answer but i'm curious uh to see here and we'll kind of go around the horn maybe we'll start with you josh what was the uh sort of biggest insight that you've drawn from living outdoors for for eight weeks so far
2: i just had a big difference i mean you don't realize how much energy it takes to even to sleep in a tent for nine weeks you know you go in a warm shelter like this, I mean, you take for granted something like this after sleeping in a tent out in the cold. So definitely a lot of energy involved in just cooking over room fire and all that stuff. Yeah,
0: maintaining your but basic that's... needs is a lot of, it takes a lot of energy with no infrastructure. And we, we the reason we love the fall semester is because when we start, it's summertime and you're running around in shorts and a t-shirt and swimming every day. And now we have a week left, but it's been consistently around <laughs> freezing or below freezing for probably a week and a half two weeks now so it's like a lot of those things that you get away with in the summertime you don't you don't get away with when it's cold out and and that's a that's a big lesson I think
2: yeah for sure
1: how about you Rafi biggest insight so far I think it's uh cooking uh, meals I think it's uh you know at the beginning it was very um you know fun to cook meals and whatnot um and then it you know I think living outside, uh, like as Josh said, you know, being outside in tents and just everything else, the physical part about um, just the day, the activities that we do, the, the uh, academic work, like, li- like literally everything. I've noticed that, uh, <clears throat> uh, that uh, in the mornings I no longer have as much energy to cook breakfast and I'm not eating as well as I did at the very beginning. But, you know, I think that has to do with energy levels
0: and, yeah. But you're, uh, you know, a habitual consumer of energy drinks, right? That's true, yes. So So you're claiming, you're making the claim here that energy drinks are not leading to an excess of energy. Well, that's how I'm getting through the the, the final part of the course is uh, energy drinks. Excellent.
4: Uh, David, how about you? Um, The same with them about the living in a tent Uh, I woke up this morning and I said oh good it's 36 degrees yeah water bottles not frozen right and I I'm from the south so that wasn't or I live in the south so that wasn't a thing that I ever expected to to come into my thought process good 36 you know things like changing your clothes in the morning like on an angle because you're in a tent and not sleeping under a roof or eating under a roof and It's actually been really good. But at the same time, when I go to the diner in town, it's like, oh, yes, a table. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Again, you know, part of the intended learning outcome here is to recalibrate your personal baseline to the point where you're like, you know, Probably before this experience, you probably took tables for granted, right? Or like, if it's raining and there's something over your head other than a hat, you're like, oh, okay. But you know, now you you really appreciate those things, and and that's a that's a good thing, I think, to to recalibrate your baseline every now and again. Uh, we've got B here as the teaching assistant on this course, so I won't ask him what his biggest insights are because he's been doing living outdoors now since basically since the spring. Uh, <laughs> but anything come into mind to you after the second semester you've been out here on
5: it's definitely neat to watch how things like come together like now from the other point of view Um, watching all the small skills create into the bigger projects that people do and um, that's definitely a neat thing to see and along with that it's the rest of like the season I get to see up here and it's beautiful I mean these guys you're just getting a cold. When I showed up, it was cold. <laughs> now it's getting cold again. Yeah. So it's exciting. Not a whole lot of uh, frost-free
0: weeks up here. <laughs> Not, Not a lot. Uh,
6: any insights from you, John? I think for anybody considering particularly a nine-week course, they have to have a good appreciation for both the physical and psychological demands of a nine-week course. It, as everyone has mentioned, it's it's easy when you start out. You have energy. But the longer it goes on and you see the change in seasons, as everyone has already mentioned, it's harder and harder to do some of the most basic tasks you need to survive day to day, whether it be getting up and, you know, cooking a meal in the morning or whatever. Uh, I've had the benefit as a now a Mainer of being able to go home on weekends. But for those that have not, my hat's off to them like Rafi and David. They've been here day on, stay on for nine weeks and have not had a break. So my hat's off to them.
0: Well, we gave you that half day on Thursday of week three. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a break?
3: <laughs> no, it's something that comes up every semester is that, like, you know, we always use the phrase, you're the only engine. And um, I think we kind of take for granted the ease of which things just kind of happen in the modern world. And then when, when you're on the hook for, you know, you thinking about breakfast the next morning and realizing you didn't put up wood... And so it's, you know, six o'clock at night and you're splitting up firewood for the stoves for the next day. It's kind of, it'll, it'll drain on you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Your body's the only engine you've got. It's a, it, again, it's, in my opinion, it is a great recalibration of the baseline. Like think how much you guys will appreciate things like couches and, you know, (laughs) like, oh, I, I, I jokingly say it, but at the end of every season, uh, I guess my life will be a little different now since I live here. Uh, but at the end of every season when I would go home and then sit on a couch, I would like high five myself and be like, humans are awesome. We invented couches. Take that stupid dog to the dog laying on the floor. And...
3: <laughs> I've met your dog. Yeah. She's rarely on the floor. <laughs> She's up on the couch with you. Yeah. Uh,
0: but, but it's, you know, the creature comforts, you, you turn a tap and hot water comes out and you're like, I didn't have to cut wood or do anything. And, and it's great. And you know, to one, one offshoot of, of, Spending time living this lifestyle is that you really appreciate those kind of modern creature comforts. Um, Yeah.
3: Yeah, How many of you are going to go home and take like six showers in a row?
5: I'm definitely going to do it. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Six what? Shower. What? Like a rainstorm? Yeah, Yeah. like a rainstorm, but indoors. What? With soap. Soap? What's that? Soup, but you can't eat it. Witchcraft. That's what it is. Uh,
0: Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll go around the horn. And if you had one piece of advice, so Tim just invented a time machine. He's going to go back in time. He's going to bring you back in time to talk to yourself before you come out here. What's one little piece of advice you would give yourself before you came out? Like make sure you bring a thermos or, you know, hand towels are great or learn how to cook or it could be whatever you want.
2: Uh, i'd say for me a better tent a better tent and then pick a good spot in the beginning because i picked a spot it was just a little awkward so sleeping in my tent was a little rough and even after the shelters i end up just moving into the shelters because they're way more comfortable yeah i've been sleeping <laughs> under a tarp for the past three weeks so <laughs> but a, tarp, a tent would be nice just for their privacy but other than that i mean yeah a better tent would be definitely a, a good thing definitely
0: but and it's always important, like we talk about with shelters. is What are you sheltering from? Mm-hmm. And once the bugs are gone for the year, tarps are awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: It's worked out good, but like I said, there's the privacy is a little nice and having a place to you store your stuff too. But. Sure.
0: Yeah. How about you, Rafi? I'd
1: say i say learn how to cook a few meals. I think it's very important to uh, come into this experience uh, like just already having like certain meals that you can cook um, or play around with, switch out spices or whatnot, just because um if you come in only learning like maybe like the rice and beans you know you're going to be eating that for the rest of your you know 9 weeks and i don't know if I don't know. If other people can do that, but I can't. You, know. you have you heard of the elbow noodles and salt diet?
3: <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I have not. look into it. It might it might do you well. It's pretty easy to cook, and it meets all of your all of your salt intake needs. I mean, nothing else. But at the very least, you got salt. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
0: being able to take care of your basic yeah. needs super yeah. important.
4: Yeah. Yeah. David, hmm. I I don't know that I would have an answer to that. I I came in probably I brought too much stuff. So I guess if I had some advice, it would be um, like our last trip we just took, figure out what's the lowest baseline you could handle and go with that. Uh, I basically threw most of what I brought with me into my car and haven't touched it since week two. And um, maybe just be more comfortable with the idea from the the get-go of... Of just being uncomfortable it's it's easy now I I think not knowing what to expect in the beginning is the hardest part and just being cool with that made things much easier for me
5: be cool you called me cool thanks man be (laughs) is
4: cool
3: (laughs) be if you were
0: to go back to the spring and one piece of advice you'd give yourself
2: what
3: would it be? Oh, I can. will just jump in here real quick. His piece of advice would have been to not accept this TA position we <laughs> offered it to him at the end of the spring. <laughs> <laughs> okay, one piece of advice other than that. <laughs>
0: um,
5: for my class, like I definitely, I definitely would have packed less. The same thing. I'll piggyback on that. Like you find out how comfortable you can be with a little bit of stuff, and it. As humans now we don 't really think about that because we have everything at the touch of our fingers, um, just kind of like getting a better uh, baseline yourself like with everything that you need like need, need. do I need this, or do I just want this and I probably could have done it with a lot less gear, I think that would have been cool.
3: yeah, we talk about that a lot actually, and the back end of stuff is that um, you know the the less people have available to them the the more kind of driven they are to figure stuff out so like the example is um that i think of is the buck saw thing if we didn't provide metal buck saws i bet you guys would get really good at making a buck saw right like that whole kind of thing where if it's a thing that you need to get to accomplish stuff and you don't have it with you and you but you understand the process of how to make it then you get really good at that those kind of projects right and i think that yeah, that's always kind of on our minds is what, how, how, how little can we let people get by with? Because the learning outcome is much higher, I think.
0: Yeah, and I'd, I'd go so far to say that the more you have, the less, more stuff you're managing, the less powerful the experience. Yeah. Like if I went to the Grand Canyon and all I had was like a leopard print singlet made out of that sheet that just showed up at my door a couple weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> my experience living there for a week will be totally different than somebody in a 60 foot tricked out RV right because like when it gets cold I notice when it <clears throat> rains I get wet as opposed to like sort of being having 10 feet of insulation between you and everything around you so mm. you know the less you have the more powerful
4: that experience agreed that last trip we took I slept underneath a eight by six tarp on an angle and it rained for like 13 hours and I was okay with it I was surprisingly comfortable and warm and I mean, I had to put more effort into like digging a trench near my feet to keep the rain from rolling downhill towards me. I was on a little knoll, but it worked out way better than I... Two months ago, I would have never thought that was possible for me.
0: And just to drive the point home, when we were on that last camping trip, I was camped about... 200 feet away from where you were in your tarp, and I was in a 60 foot RV, <laughs> and I, I honestly didn't even notice the rain because I was watching it like a big movie trilogy on Netflix, and the surround sound was awesome.
6: <laughs> you were. <laughs> uh, any insights, John? Uh, it's been mentioned a couple times already, but you know, on your website, you list a lot of gear, and that's obviously been. Tested by you guys, you know what works. To come here with all kinds of real expensive, fancy stuff that you think might work up here, you get up here and you, uh, for example, I had a knife. And on your website, you mentioned a much more inexpensive knife, which I eventually switched to and was much better for carving what I needed to do. <laughs> I didn't need that more expensive knife. I needed to use the one that you mentioned on the website because it works, because it's been used up here. And this is the wrong. Showing up here is the wrong time to figure out what gear does and doesn't work. If you haven't used it before you get up here, you might have a rough goal of it figuring out once you get up here that I don't need it. And thank God Amazon delivers because, <laughs> because you know I need to order something now. But to get up here and now decide, hey, I want to experiment with this stuff—that's the wrong time of year to do it. It was easy for us in the beginning because it was dry. But I can't imagine coming here being infested with bugs and rain like we <laughs> did and figuring out my tent doesn't work.
0: Yeah, it's funny. We've had that happen. People set up their tent for the first time. You know when the tent arrives in an Amazon box prior to the student arriving? Uh, there might be an issue. <laughs> well, I usually, when that happens, I
3: usually set a timer for about 9 p.m. on the first day it rains. And that's usually around when they roll down to my tent and uh, ask for help. My tent leaks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good stuff. Yeah. Yeah, so what else? I mean, we've kind of been driving the conversation with questions, but uh, anything else you guys would like to share with potential students or anything like that? Family back home? Hi, Mom! I knew it. I knew
5: it was (laughs) not I didn't didn't know who it was going to be from, but I knew it was going to happen.
4: At this point, I'm basically done with 90% of the work, and I think for me, one of the keys was that I really front-end loaded the academic work. I did as much, first couple of weeks, we don't have a lot of projects that take a large amounts of time. We're working our way into the course. So I tried to do my academic work as much as possible then, knowing that this time of year, like seven and a half weeks in, I'm a little tired. Don't really want to sit in a library look at a book for so many hours. And so that would be my one piece of advice is do as much as you can in the beginning. Don't leave things to the end because it's just, it's going to catch up with you. It's going to sneak around. The, the end sneaks up very quickly.
3: Yeah. You guys are all right on the cusp of the journeyman. Um, and that's, yeah, when you, when you come down to that, that kind of that edge, you don't, you don't want a lot of stuff to do. You want a couple of little tasks that you just got to just get over the hurdle on, right? Time management up here is super important.
0: Yeah,
6: I think an insight I would provide to anybody considering this is that there are several readings that were sent out a couple of days before we came here, one of which w- which was on expedition behavior. If you're a person that is not used to working in groups of people and putting the needs of the group before yourself, then it might be difficult for you when you get here and you are forced to work with other people um, there's a there for our group there was a great uh, range of ages and some people are probably not used to working in groups given their inexperience in life and it might have been challenging for them and for others who have worked in big groups it can be frustrating <clears throat> yeah, it's a tricky. The group di- The
3: group. The people are the hardest part of any semester we run of
0: any business any, anywhere yeah, in anything, world. anywhere.
3: Um, and it's it's a hard. It's when people aren't kind of all on the same task. It's a tough thing to manage. Um, so yeah, definitely come up here ready to ready to kind of pitch in your weight with everybody else's. Um, because the more the more moving parts there are in different places, the harder it is for. I mean, the harder it is for Tim and I to manage it, and probably the harder it is for you guys interpersonally. I always like to make
0: the kind of quip that a short course is great. It's like, you know, up to a week long, maybe even two weeks if you're on an expedition. It's kind of like going on a date or maybe two or three dates, right? It's kind of like fun. Everybody's on their best behavior. It's nice. The nine-week course is like a marriage or some other super long-term relationship, right? Definitely
3: feels that way to me.
0: You get pretty, pretty quickly, you get beyond the, I'm going to put on my best face and my cleanest best clothes and and the honeymoon then phase. the honeymoon phase ends <laughs> rapidly and then it's just like all the all the negatives all the bad stuff that's you, it, it can't be hidden for nine straight weeks right so like that's the challenge is that we are with each other 24 7 and we have super high high moments and some super low low moments and everything in between right so that's the to me in my mind that's the challenge this is we're wrapping up the, our personally the 50th uh, long-term course that, that I've run over the last 21 years. And, and that, you know, if, if you had to, if I'm giving advice to someone who says, hey, I would like to uh, embark on a similar career trajectory, I would just say study those soft skills because they're everything with regards to, to managing a group or keeping people from stabbing each other, things of that nature.
3: Yeah. Well, um, a lot of times when people come up here and they want to, you know, get into the industry or get into guiding and stuff, and they want to know what skills they need for all of that. And the bottom line of it is like, like Tim said, like putting on your best face, like even when the last thing you want to do is smile at people, you got, you got to be able to do that because it's not about, it's not about you. It's got to be about what everybody else in the group needs. And, um, you know, in some groups that works out really well, where everybody is kind of thinking that way. And those are the ones where it's magic, but sometimes it's harder. And then it's harder to manage that,
0: but yeah, the people skills are always the hardest or the people problems are always the most difficult to manage, but it's also the place where you get kind of the biggest rush from doing it. And the, you know, the difficult things are the opportunities for the greatest growth, you know, without if to use a, like a weightlifting analogy, if you don't stress that muscle, it's not going to grow. Like if you just go out and do the same, like simple routine, that's easy all the time. Yeah. You're not going to get stronger, better at it. Um, yeah, cool. Some good insights.
3: Um, yeah. Yeah. So we're, uh, like Tim said at the beginning, we're kind of wrapping up wrapping up week eight and then we're heading out on our solos and you guys are, uh, and we turn you guys loose for, I'm just going to insert the inevitable joke here for your out week week and a half of mandated therapy. Um, yeah, we've made that joke like eight hundred times on this podcast, and I just I'm not tired of it yet. Yeah. But uh, so I'm I'd be curious what you guys tired of getting
0: contacted by all the therapists looking for work though. Yeah,
3: we should talk to them about that the referrals the referrals and stuff. But I'd be curious to hear what your guys's uh, sort of trepidations or excitement about the solos are. Are you guys just ready to not have to talk to anybody for three days? Or
0: <laughs> I mean, that's how we design the course: is that when you're at the level of disgust with everybody else around you, and you're like, I don't want to talk to another human being. Let me go frolic with the red squirrels. It's time for solos.
3: That is such a weird mental image. I just pictured you, like, skipping through the forest, waving your arms with, like, a horde of red squirrels around you. All screaming at me. Like, riding across them like a wave on a surfboard. Like
0: I'm like a 1991 Axl Rose. Squirrels are the audience, and I dove, and they're all, like, handing me – Stage diving, is that what they call that? <laughs> Crowd surfing? <laughs> Crowd surfing with red squirrels. That's gonna be the title of my autobiography.
3: <laughs> there you go. <laughs> but yeah, I'd be curious to hear any insight or sort of thoughts about that coming up now that you guys are kinda at the end of this. I guess the biggest thing is like you you know, sick not sick of
2: the people but after nine weeks but then three or four days by yourself, can you entertain yourself and be alright with yourself? <laughs> Four days with no distractions.
0: That's the point of the exercise
2: right there. Confronting yourself and being, well, I'm not that great of a person either. (laughs) 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 It's it's true. true. Because I have an advanced level
0: of this, I don't even have to go out for four days to realize I'm not a good person.
3: (laughs) Well, it is. It's like a
2: magnifying glass on you, right? You're just sitting there. Especially with no distractions. Just you out there, you know, to confront the parts of yourself that you might not see. Especially after four days. Maybe one day you wouldn't notice it, but four days of little bit of boredom and the no distractions I'm sure you'll realize some stuff I yeah. would think yeah but. yeah
0: anyone else have any cool yeah then that yeah, that, that is why we you know that sort of rite of passage that bit of self-reflection at the end of the course to see how far you've come that is the point of the exercise so it'd be good to to debrief after you know after the experience Yeah, well, that seems as good a point as any to wrap that up. Uh, Yeah, sounds good. Yeah. Um, So thank you for those of you out in podcast land for spending this time with us on this beautiful Thursday morning. And we will hit you back again with another one soon. Thanks. Bye. You have been listening to the Jack Mountain Bushcraft podcast. For more information on our professional wilderness guide training programs that are college accredited and GI Bill approved, visit us on the web at jackmtn.com.